Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 8, Episode 25, Aunt Bee's Pickles. Mary, what happened this week? David throws Val the exact last birthday party she would ever want, and to make it worse, her mom uses the occasion to announce her engagement to Kelly's dad. Val and Kelly team up to put a stop to the wedding, which is this Saturday, by the way. Abby won't listen to her daughter, so Kelly tells Abby everything shitty her dad ever did, while Val tries to persuade Bill. Unfortunately, the parents insist on going through with it. Meanwhile, David and Val have a serious conversation about Valerie's past and tough childhood memories surrounding her birthday. David speaks up for her when Val's mom nitpicks her and kind of sort of opens the way for Valerie to support Abby when, surprise, Bill leaves her at the altar. Brandon is offered a job at the Chronicle because all of their real writers are on strike. He flip-flops over whether he wants to further his career by becoming a filthy scab. He eventually decides he doesn't, but really, the choice shouldn't have been that hard. Steve convinces Jill to go on one date with him as himself and not Ted. Then he will give her all of Ted's info. The date goes well in a weird definition of the word, but Jill is still in love with Ted. Steve uses Donald, an innocent man looking for a job, to test Jill to see if she would still like Ted if Ted wasn't so damn hot. Donald is like, fuck you, that's stupid, and if you love this woman, you'll want her to be happy even if it devastates you. Steve decides to introduce Jill to Ted, and they have a great date and even talk marriage. But afterward, Jill still ends up at Casa Walsh to say Ted is everything she thought he would ever be, but Steve is more? Noah perfects his business model. First, he funds the production of some dresses. Then he pays the store to buy them on consignment, but tells Donna that they paid her cash on delivery so that they can go celebrate. Then he buys the dresses back from the store so they can send him a check for the dresses. But he has to make sure to leave it in a noticeable place where Donna can find it. Also, all of the dresses. How else will she know that he doesn't believe in her? But it's fine because one of the store owners they visited last week was on vacation and now they want to buy Donna's dresses because they're good, not because Noah threw cash at them. So Donna is great. (laughs) I lost my mind at Noah's scheme. I truly tried to figure out how he's not just accidentally paying for the dresses like three times. Right? Like... Just when you think Donna catches him, she doesn't. Or, like, she catches part of it, and he's like, oh, crap, I'm sorry about that. And then, like, you just wait ten more minutes, and, like, she catches something else. He's like, oh, crap, sorry about that. (laughs) Truly, when he's in his office, I wrote in my notes, I was like, oh, man, he's in his office. There's a lot of dresses on the couch. There's a lot of dresses on the couch. (laughs) Like, God. Complete disbelief that they would just be sitting there for her to walk in and be like, why are all your Donna Martin originals just sitting there? (laughs) Donna Karen, I mean Donna Martin originals. (laughs) Oh my god, that was so funny. Uh, Weirdos. Okay, so yeah, I do have a question. If you had to guess, like, in order of importance, which one of these is the ABC plot, what would you say? I mean, technically... I think the Bill and Abby 
<clears throat> quick engagement and wedding is the a plot um mm-hmm. i think because it ties into like val's birthday and all of that so like for some reason like because it brings all the characters together that's what i'm thinking and mm-hmm. then b is i think what is and what should have been the b plot are two different things i think is i think b is the steve storyline but it should have been c and then c is the brandon storyline which should have been b and then all the way down at the bottom is donna and noah right oh right i already forgot about it <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. maybe I would trade Steve and, well, what should have been. I think I would trade Steve and Donna. So, like, maybe Steve is last because I just don't like him. But <laughs> I don't have, like, a legitimate story reason. Yeah, why did we have four plots this this episode? That was the thing that confused me because, you know, this episode is called Aunt Bee's Pickles. And yeah. I got to the end of the episode and I was like, pickles didn't come up once. Like, nope. no one doesn't like pickles on their sandwich and it became a thing. There was nope. nothing about Val and Kelly going undercover as a pickle salesman to break up their parents. <laughs> like, none of this happened. So I looked up Aunt Bee's pickles. I literally just Googled Aunt Bee's pickles, spelled how it is in the show. And what came up was – an episode of the Andy Griffith show called The Pickle Story. It says, Aunt Bee's homemade pickles are terrible. Andy and Barney have an idea of replacing them with store-bought pickles, but their plan backfires. So it's like the Noah Donna storyline? Yeah. So this episode, like, the random Noah Donna story is the title? I don't know. title. Yeah. That makes... Absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah. I also went down a whole little like mind rabbit hole of like, okay, I know this was, you know, what, 1998, mm-hmm. but the Andy Griffith show, like, even if it was in syndication, did the Andy Griffith show have title cards? Like, how would you know the episode titles? How mm. would I see Aunt Bee's Pickles in 1998 as a 17-year-old and be like, oh, yeah, I know what this is. Yeah, This right, is that exactly. one episode of the Andy Griffith show. Hmm. Yeah, it was such a like. All it also seemed a little bit of a throwaway episode too. Because maybe I'm so used to shows these days having like overarching plots that last the entire season, and like I realize now, you know, obviously we have a lot shorter seasons in most shows, and so you can have one consistent plot for the entire season. Whereas like back in nine hundred two one zero world, you kind of you know, you probably broke it out by parts, right? Like sections, mm. like here's the first quarter, here's the second quarter, you know, so on and so forth. I just don't know what all of this has to do with anything else, right? Like at least when in the beginning we got like the shooting, um, mm. we had, you know, like even with Donna and David, like their relationship, the loan shark and all that kind of stuff signaling like David's problems with money and like all that kind of stuff. Like we've had a lot of sections and I just feel like this one does is almost like a bridge to maybe the like last, you know, final collection of episodes. But we mm. thought that with the whole Noah trial stuff. Yeah. No, we keep like waiting for the next arc to show up and it just mm-hmm. hasn't yet. Or like one will and we'll be like, all right, we found it. And then it settles out. And I I am sitting here. I counted this morning. We've only got 
six episodes left mm. if you count the season finale as one episode instead of the two-parter. Right. Yeah, so, it's so confusing. Yeah, because this, like, it is a real rehash and, like, it's kind of settling up some small stuff, but it's not really stuff I care about, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, if we if we can probably just get right into it and um, the very weird moment where super late David has decided to throw Val a surprise party, so he called their friends like i'm even <laughs> hesitant to say he called val's friends he called his own friends who don't like val to throw a party for her while he's gone and like you just handle it yeah like literally like i didn't write it in my notes but i was thinking at the entire time i'm like why would they agree to do this why would val even want them there Seriously, like none of them sound interested. Donna brings a Donna Martin original to mm -hmm. the party and they're like, oh, you're so generous. But like <laughs> not in a nice way of like she's actually being generous. Yeah, because like, you know, she's, you know, the, the quote unquote generosity comes from the fact that she could be making money off of this. But instead she's gifting it to a person she doesn't really care about. Like how thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah, no one seems happy about it. And then Val's mom and Kelly's dad, I was having so much trouble remembering Abby and Bill and who they are to these people for this entire episode. But they, they both pop up, they come in, and Val's mom does that thing that I swear every mom does on your birthday when they're like, I remember when you were born at 11 a.m. Yep. She was an early, or she was a late riser then, she's late now, like... Every mom does that. I'm convinced every mom has to talk about what time you were born. Yep. Yep. But then – I mean, thank goodness they do because how would any of us know our big three? <laughs> That's true. You're right. You're right. Anyway, Val's <laughs> mom is – like, I cannot get over this. As soon as she did it, I was just having these flashes. So, like, Val shows up and is – really uncomfortable like all she wanted for her birthday was to be alone with david too bad everybody she knows is inside and her mom mm -hmm. rushes up to talk to her and then is like oh my god you felt it didn't you you're on to us and val is like what are you talking about and her mom did the sweet home alabama where she turned the ring inside out and then just expected somebody else to just care yeah she she so badly wanted the candace bergen moment for Val yes. to say you're engaged <laughs> and it just doesn't happen like she has to announce it she has to like it's like totally main character mm -hmm. energy you know she like has to be the main event of her daughter's own surprise birthday party like she oh. showed up late to the surprise party she could have ruined mm -hmm. the surprise and she's just mm -hmm. like oh my god we're here Yep. And then she basically like negs Valerie the entire time because then she's like, oh man, uh, Valerie, you just love surprise parties. You always have this kind of reaction. When you were 12, they said surprise and you just burst into tears. I'm like, you don't know any spectrum of emotions and what they actually mean. That is clear. <laughs> I hate Abby so much. She was just like, it was like nails on a chalkboard every time she said something in this episode. I know. And like I did, I did love when like they announced that they were getting married, and 
I forget who said it because I just wrote the quote down, but somebody was like, I guess you guys will be sisters now. And I just, at that point, I was so excited for what was to come in this episode. And I'll admit, I was a little let down by the end of it. But Mm -hmm. in that moment, I'm like, yes, because then it just flashes between Kelly and Val's faces the whole time and their reactions. It's great. I was so hopeful. I thought this was it. Yeah, mm-hmm. my notes like complete with all caps and clap emojis was stepsisters Kelly and Val. <laughs> God, and if like, only we were robbed. We were robbed. Like, it's so funny that their whole plan is to get the two to break up while spending as little time as possible together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, they really managed to figure it out. Yep. Yeah, and we get this like brief moment the next morning after the credits where Maya Lee's has literally just opened and Donna is just wandering around her own rack very slowly like a circling shark she's so creepy she's so creepy and like she sees someone who she thinks is buying the dress but instead she's returning it so she just walks over there to confront her as to why she doesn't want the dress anymore like I'm like oh my god this would make me not want to buy anything from anybody like any designer name yeah I would be out of that store so fast mm-hmm. but it's like it's so creepy she's so extra and then Noah is really extra too and yeah I just I don't understand why they're moving so fast this is the thing everything in this episode felt like it was moving at the speed of light when I don't think it needed to because Abby and Bill have also only been together for at most two weeks before they're engaged. Mm Because they got together last episode and there was a two-week break. So like Mm -hmm. unless we are literally jumping forward in time in the show, they've been together two weeks and then Donna's dresses have been on sale for three hours. It just – and, like, later Donna makes a comment, which, like, obviously, like, it's – I mean, if you guys have watched the episode, it's not a spoiler. But, like, (laughs) when she's like, it's been on sale for a day, I'm like, yeah. yeah, Like, this is so fast. Like, to your point, it's so fast. And also, like, everybody is reacting to everything, not just Noah with the dresses, but, like, everybody reacting to everything so quickly, too. Yeah. It's so much so fast. Mm Mm-hmm. And then – You know, we keep getting these other short scenes. I feel bad because it is clear that David is trying. He is trying Mm -hmm. so hard, but he only knows about the surprise parties. He doesn't know that she hates the surprise parties because she hasn't told him yet. But then Val is trying to clean up for her own party, and I love that he says that. He's like, don't clean up after your own party. And she's like, no, I'm upset. I need to clean. (laughs) I need to do something. Well, and then this was so annoying. It's like – Val hates hates birthdays in general. Like David gives her, she, he's like waving the present in front of her Ugh. president, the present in front of her face, just like, hey, distraction, distraction. <laughs> and then of course, like as she's opening, it's like set up, set up, set up, because she's like, mm-hmm. oh, I really hate that my mom always gives me this charm for this bracelet that I hate. Oh, here's a charm for that same bracelet. Cool. Which okay, so this one, you know, I do say David is trying, but here. If she's never worn it, mm-hmm. like, take the hint there. Don't be like, oh, right. well, the reason she hasn't worn it is because she's missing this generic silver heart pendant. Exactly. It's, she hasn't worn it because she doesn't wear it. She only keeps it in case her mom asks about it. Right. 
exactly. Oh, and then we go to the Beverly Beat where Janet is sneezing and we find out she has no sick pay. She has no leave for sick leave. She literally also sounds like she does not have medical insurance because then she says, I entered a contest for medical insurance. Fingers crossed. (laughs) I fell in love with her in this moment. Right? Like she, like, okay, this is what I've been talking about. Like, Lindsay Price is so good. I'm like, what are we doing? She becomes such a major part of the show. And like the entire season since she's been here, there's been like one, two, three lines. And now she's been in like maybe three, four, five scenes in this entire episode. And I'm like, see, look what you get when you get Lindsay Price in more time, like airtime. Legitimately, like I wrote multiple times. I was like, I love her. Like she's doing all of this (laughs) stuff and they're like actually acting it out in a way that's so believable. Yeah. Or at least yeah, she even is. like even like when she sneezes and Brandon's like walking in, he's like, Janet, go home. Like that was kind of cute. Like it felt natural, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but she's like, I can't, brother. I don't got sick pay. <laughs> I also love that repeatedly Brandon and Steve come into the Beverly Beat and proceed to not talk about their own work while Janet is working mm-hmm. so hard. Like she's answering phone calls here and Steve is like, oh yeah, I found Ted. It was actually super easy. I just walked into a building and there was a newsletter with his face on it. But then Brandon is like, oh, that's great. That's a great update for you. I have a job interview today somewhere else. And my brain <laughs> was just like, wait, so are they not saving the beat? Does Janet right. know this? Like. Yeah, she wouldn't get paid for today, but she could go home, get better, and go get a job that gives her health insurance. Right, exactly. And, like, I only care about Janet. Oh, same. Because, like, because, you know, we obviously know that Brandon and Steve constantly fail upward, or at least Steve fails upward, and Brandon just gets whatever he wants. And so we need to protect Janet at all costs. And, yeah, so it's, like, what's the plan here? Because it doesn't sound like Steve is all that, like concerned like he's he's annoyed that brandon has a job interview but he's not concerned what that means for the longevity of the beat yeah he's really taking this so well because he's found ted and is just like that's great i have my own problems exactly like i have my own non-money-making ventures to take care of (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i mean almost literally like we break away from all of that and have to go to things there is a moment where we see Kelly and Val like make their plan and it's just that mm-hmm. they're each going to go talk to the other's parent about the flaws of their own parent. So like Val yes. is going to go tell Bill about Abby and then Kelly's going to go tell Abby about Bill and specifically that he's a terrible person. Like Val was like – she was telling Bill that her mom has no money. She wants Kelly to tell her mom about how Bill runs out on everyone and never keeps a promise. And that he's a convicted felon. (laughs) I love when Val's like, hey, there's no time for family loyalty here. We are trying (laughs) to keep these families apart. (laughs) I literally wanted her to be like, do you want more matching necklaces with me? Like, Right? Yeah. Do you want to just be twins for the rest of our lives? Because she kept talking about like matching outfits and matching like all this Mm. kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I want that. (laughs) I want that. Yeah. When they first sat down, we're like, where'd you get that necklace? My mom. What about you? My dad. I was like, oh, I bet a half sister is somewhere with the exact same necklace too. Oh, little baby Erin. Where is she? 
No, not Aaron. What's well. the other one? Oh, oh. from New Texas, oh. New Mexico. Uh, Ju- Julie? No. Ju- uh, why do I think it's a J name? Grace. I think it's a J name. Grace. It, isn't it like? Isn't it a a a virtue? <laughs> yes, a virtue. <laughs> I think it might faith. Be. No, no, not faith. Patience. Hope? No. <laughs> Kindness. Why Constant. is it so hard? It's not. <laughs> Selflessness. Selfless. Uh, Joy. 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 She is a virtue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that okay, is but hilarious. <laughs> also, let's get back to the fact that Joy was not invited to her father's wedding. Ooh, ouch. Neither. I'm just well, wait, no, they're not related. No, yeah, that sucks. What the yeah, hell, dude. Bill? Bill sucks. Bill does suck. And then, yeah, so while he's doing that, or she's there doing that, anyway. So while that's happening, Brandon and Steve have just completely left work because Steve goes over to Jill's hotel room and is like, hey, do you want to invite me in? And she's like, no, why would I do that, first of <laughs> all? Like, Absolutely not. <laughs> and she keeps reminding him. She's like, I'm here to see Ted. I wanted to meet Ted. I wrote mm-hmm. letters to Ted. You know it's a crime mm-hmm. that you read my letters. But somehow Steve convinces her in a cute way to go on a date with him in exchange for information. Like she literally is like, this is blackmail. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. Yeah, I hate it. I hated every minute of it. Like when Jill was showing so much like I don't remember. I don't know the word, but like vitriol is too strong of a word, but that's the vibe mm-hmm. I'm going for. She was like very much like, I do not want to see you. Like you committed a felony. You read my letters. You pretended to be somebody that you're not like all this kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, good. Read him his rights. Like, you know, like really go into him. But then, yeah, she ends up like just giving in because, oh, he's, I guess, charming. And I'm like, I literally wrote, I cannot stand him. Like, I am at the point now where I don't know that I can root for him. It really upset me, and I just didn't care. I was like, why would this girl do this? Why is she still yeah. here? Well, that and, like, then the rest of his very close-minded and – I don't know the right word here either. I'm lost for words today. But, like, how he is toward this, the union strikers, which we'll get to in a second, like, his attitude towards everything, I'm like – how is he likable like in what way is this guy likable he's just not and like I think I think it's very telling I know it's a tv show and this is kind of on purpose but I think it's Mm -hmm. very telling that we don't really see Steve hang out with other people and the only reason that anybody still hangs out with him is because he lives with Brandon that's an excellent point oh okay speaking of Brandon we do I do want to talk about the newspaper stuff. Yeah, because for sure. I think we all agree that this should not have been this hard of a problem for Brandon to solve. Oh, like, seriously. As a journalist, this should have not been a hard problem. First of all, I just want to say I died when his interviewer writes the number on the piece of paper and slides it over and there's like she goes, there's no room for negotiation. We know what you get after having a job here. Like, 
you're getting paid an experience. You should say thank you. So she's already setting a tone here that you cannot adjust your co- your worth, like how much you're paid at a job. Yeah. Despite your cost of living, because they're like, no, people who start here get paid twenty five thousand dollars a year or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. But like. She just says that she's read his articles and that she's supposed to look for new talent. So he's immediately hired. Literally, like, go get your badge. You'll start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he's not the only one because there's this other guy named Brian Carter. And they <laughs> – I had to write all of these names down. They run into Timmy McCourt. Which, what a name, <clears throat> Timmy McCourt. <laughs> I loved it. I love that he goes by Timmy and not Tim, personally. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy has a box of stuff and they are not picking up the hint. Brandon is just like, oh, if you're around tomorrow, I'd love to learn from you. And the guy is like, no, I'm going on strike <laughs> like right now. Yeah. And then he's Brandon and Brian are like, then why were we hired? And then he calls them scabs, which did you guys know what a scab was before this mm-hmm. episode? You did? Okay. Yeah. I did not. And I was like, oh, is this like a technical term? Is this just like, like, what is this? Because I just didn't know. And so I looked it up mm. and it's extremely relevant to right now because obviously the WGA had just resolved their strike, but SAG-AFTRA is still striking. And mm. so I was like, oh, this is super, like, I literally found a Washington Post article from like this past week talking about scabs. And I was like, oh, well, that's timely and interesting. And yeah, so if for our listeners, if you don't know, basically scabs are people that continue to work whilst others are striking. And so there's mm-hmm. often a lot of ire, and this is kind of a little bit of a derogatory ter- term to call them scabs, but it's basically like there's a lot of ire from the people that are striking because they're like, no, this is literally the point. Like we are literally striking for our rights, for our benefits, for our pay, whatever the case may be. And yet you guys are kind of devaluing that strike by continuing to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're making it easy that like this newspaper can just prove like we've got a million people lined up to take your place. Mm -hmm. If you don't like it, you can go, which means they can make as hostile work environment as they want. Yep. And I, I do try and keep reminding myself that Brandon is a child yeah, he's 22, max like, 23. And I looked it up because I was curious about this. If he's been going into journalism, like, I feel like journalists go on strike, not like often, often, but mm-hmm. often enough that I know about it from like recent history, just like with SAG AFTRA and with the writer's strike and all of that. Like, yeah, I feel like Brandon would have had an idea of people going on strike for their own betterment I don't know maybe being in LA for his formative years really ruined that yeah and like you would think too if he's kind of a um (sighs) I'm so at a loss for words today it's like you take a huge interest and so you do a lot of your research and stuff for something in journalists you take a huge interest in journalism you would think he would know too do you guys know of a word I'm looking for This is only going to show me that I'm fucking chronically online, but I can only think of autism special interests or like ADHD hyper fixations. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, it's like taking a special interest is a good way to say it. But like if you're literally like your passion is journalism, 
you know, you followed writers and reporters for your whole life, you would think you would have caught wind at the minimum, you know, of, of these types of strikes and, and what they strike for. I wonder, like, did he not have to read The Jungle in high school? <laughs> well, and that's you what I'm think thinking so. is like, wouldn't he have to take like history of journalism or, you know, something like that? Right, right, right. No, yeah, it, that's a good point. Like in college, yeah, even if he like never heard of it as a kid, you know, and a teenager kind of like, you know, learning the trade of journalism, like, yeah, in college, you think one of his major classes would have been like journalism throughout history, you know, like whatever. Or like he's a sports fan. What about players unions? Or yeah, they just did the sweatshop a little while ago. What about stuff like that? Like, Collective Brandon bargaining agreements. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But whatever. He doesn't really pick up on it. The whole point of that scene is to show that, like, Timmy McCourt coming out being like, oh, you know why you got this job, right? You're scabs. You're crossing the picket line. Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> um, we have an- another brief moment at the boat where we find out that all of Donna's dresses have sold out at the store and they want to order more setting the tone for Noah just went and put his credit card down yeah exactly yeah this scene was like a little confusing to me because Noah wakes essentially wakes Donna up with a phone in his hand oh my god doesn't cover the mouthpiece and they just proceed to talk (laughs) Kind of shitty about Miley's and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, it was terrible. I wrote, I was like, this is horrible acting, talking while the phone is right there. The mm-hmm. phone acting is like barely there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all of her dresses sold out immediately, which I also kind of feel like maybe Donna should have picked up on this. Maybe she's being a little too optimistic to be like, of course right. all my dresses sold out in 24 hours. Right, right, right. Yeah, because then she gets all, like, excited and is like, well, if they sold this quickly, maybe we need to, like, make some more really fast and then actually we should open up our own job. Don't you think that would work? And he, like, has to walk it back and, like, yeah, slow like, her roll a little bit. Noah has no idea what he's getting himself into. He's so yeah. underwater with every idea because his only answer is throw money at it. Right, exactly. So we go back to the Beverly Beat where, again, Janet is doing a ton of work mm-hmm. and Brandon and Steve are just talking about their own lives. To, and to the point that Steve is having Janet run personal errands for him. Dude. I was really annoyed by this whole, like, she got a parking ticket because he sent her to go get the suit for his quote-unquote meeting that is really just a date. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I am really <clears throat> glad that Janet is, like – this is bullshit, this is awful, you pay your own ticket because this is your fault. This was not Mm job-related, so you are going to pay for this because it was your car. Mm -hmm. And then Janet finds out that Brandon is going to scab because he's working as both a reporter for the Chronicle and the editor of the Beverly Beat until they find someone to replace him, which Mm -hmm. then told me, okay, so the newspaper isn't closing, and yet, again... I feel like maybe Janet doesn't fully understand the picture, but then she goes, oh, you got the job. Oh, you're a scab. You can't do it. Like, yeah, 
They are being so casual about the fact that the editor of their newspaper is leaving. Mm -hmm. One third of their workforce is leaving. (laughs) Well, that, and I love that Janet, once Janet realizes like what Brandon is going to go do, she's like, oh, so you didn't actually get the job. You took somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And just her like attitude about this whole thing is wonderful. Um, And again, it shows her more personality. Like she... She is a doer. She wants to work hard because she wants to get money. She wants to get health insurance, which she doesn't have. She wants, you know, like she, she's very, very much on the side of a union employee who is fighting for their own rights because she doesn't have them. And she is like, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it was this moment too, when Janet isn't making all the right points that I'm like, Steve is so incredibly unlikable because he he essentially calls unions dumb and says, like, strike strikes are a thing of the past. And I'm like, okay, what? so you can sit there in your privilege and disagree with people who are asking for more because you think it's being then you think it's then being taken away from you. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, no, Steve is definitely a, like, there is only one pie and not, like, we can make more pie and share the pie. Yeah, exactly. No, I – it comes up later in my notes when Brandon is talking about money, too, and saying, like, they should be grateful for what they have. Yes. Where I was, like, I feel like Brandon wouldn't be saying this if he wasn't living in the house that – Jim Walsh paid for it because Jim Walsh was able to get that money on a whole different like salary. Like accountants right. and beat reporters will not make the same money and Brandon doesn't seem to realize that. Yeah, and but also weirdly thinks that like that's just the way it is and it shouldn't be changed. Like I don't understand like Yeah. The, remember like way long ago, back in high school, when Brandon would just take on the personalities of everyone around him, like yes. they would tell him something and he would just take that as face value and truth and write a whole article about it. I feel yeah. like that's what's happening now. Yeah. It's like whenever he doesn't have all the facts or all the research, he just kind of goes <clears throat> to whatever side is the loudest and you can tell when he does his full research, he ends up coming out on the quote-unquote right side, but at least a more educated side. But it's like when he's not educated, he just kind of flips back and forth because even in this episode, he says he's going to take the job. Then he says he's not going to take the job. Then he says he's going to take the job. Then he's not going to – like it's so flip-floppy and I just wish he would pause. Just take a mm-hmm. beat. Literally just take a moment. Hang on. Let me do my research. I'll come back to you. I mean, literally the next time we see him, he's showing up at the news office with Brian and then they get to the picket line and Brian's like, I have kids to feed and he goes through and Brandon leaves literally the next time. He literally just leaves. Yeah. And we get this other, these are this, this is the time where Val is talking to Bill and tells him to go find another sucker and that she and Kelly don't want this marriage. But then... Abby and Kelly are also on the other side where Kelly's telling Abby that her dad was a terrible husband to her mom Mm -hmm. and both parents are just not hearing it. Like Bill is like, I still want your blessing. And Abby tells Kelly that they're getting married on Saturday. 
Yep, this Saturday. And I kind of loved in the, like, Val and Bill scene where (laughs) Val does, like, classic Val where she's like, if you hurt her, I will call the police. I will file charges. They they can even be false charges. And Bill's like, I see that and I raise. (laughs) Like, they're cut from the same cloth. Like, outside of the abandoning and, and, like, you know, all, like, I don't think Val's a shitty person. I just think she's fiercely protective. Yeah. I mean, Val has definitely done some bad things. I think she makes bad choices because she's ill-informed about the world. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I I could have seen this story going differently, but, like, that's just not even worth going down all the different rabbit holes and, like, (laughs) strings of decision-making. Yeah. This is also – Steve has gone out on the date with Jill. We actually don't see the date. We see the end of the date where he's got a flat tire on the side of the road and apparently dinner was horrible, but Jill's got, like, little hearts dancing in her eyes. Too bad she's still in love with Ted. But she – this is ridiculous. She doesn't want to go get Ted herself. She wants Steve to get Ted for her to force her to have to talk to Ted because she can't back down if he's already in the room. It's just so messed up because, first of all, I refuse to believe that if the food was bad, the service was terrible, you know, what all those things that she said went wrong went wrong and Steve apparently handled it well. I'm like, that is like, literally, I wrote in my notes, apparently the date wasn't very good, but Steve handled it well to my extreme surprise. Given every single thing we know about Steve, he would not handle that well. No. Not even a little bit. Know what? We, know what he would do though, hmm. is pay somebody to fuck a bunch of shit up so that he could pretend to handle it well. Yes, <laughs> he absolutely would, and he would like, because he's fixing a flat tire or whatever. He would have paid somebody to teach him how to fix a flat tire so that he could like put the nail in the tire himself to then just go and fix it himself. Which is so much more believable that he would go to all of that effort to fake it. Then he would actually go to, like, giving her a good date because at some point when she was talking about being in love with somebody else and all these letters, I was like, Steve should just write her letters. Like, Steve should Mm. just go home and put some effort into this. But instead, he just gives up and gives her his – Ted's number. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I would bet he would, like, fake a whole date to make her fall in love with him before I believe he would do something – to actually benefit this relationship. Which then makes what he does in not the next scene, but the next time we see him, just more head banging on the wall, which we'll get to in a second. But we have to get a Noah-Donna confrontation <laughs> first, which is so dumb. It's so, so dumb. <laughs> like, Donna is on the boat waiting for Noah to get home. She's all cute. She's like got champagne, which I'm still surprised this woman can drink champagne. She but- loves champagne. <laughs> she she like, I guess he brings home the mail and she sees it on the table and notices, oh, one's from Miley and it's a check for the dresses. But it's Donna thinks it's wrong because it was supposed to be cash on demand. Right. And Noah's just like, oh, I'll handle it. And then Donna's like, wait a minute, this seems fishy. And he's like, oh, crap, I forgot to tell you. I sold them on consignment. And then she's like, you did a deal behind my back? And he's like, I just wanted to help. 
I wanted to help you believe in yourself. And she's just like, even if you don't. And I'm like, yeah, I might drop. Truly. Like the fact that he's doing this, like, oh, I want you to believe in yourself. And she just gets to look him in the eyes. I was like, get it, Donna. Mm hmm. But also, what I'm thinking here is that Donna has been extremely inconsistent with Noah mm-hmm. because he has lied to her countless times at this point. But yet she I- still continues to forgive him. She still continues to work things out. They literally agreed. I think it was last episode. If it wasn't the last episode, it was the one before when they first agreed to go into business together, that they were going to have communication, that they were going to set mm-hmm. boundaries, that they were going to do all these things so that it didn't mess up or get in the way of their relationship. Which he immediately what has Noah did. D- exactly. And so that's my point. Like, what has Noah done since then? Everything backwards. And you're right. She keeps forgiving him. She's just like, oh, I know I said all of this, but like, okay. Whatever. And, like, like, not that I'm a Donna David <laughs> stan. I'm not not one, but I'm not necessarily on a pedestal, like, only David and Donna forever. But what David did was really, really bad. But how is it any different if we're just compa- comparing the fact that David lied and didn't talk and communicate to Donna and ask for help? Mm-hmm. Like, how are we comparing this to what Noah is doing, lying, and also he's, like, taking on some sort of white knight mentality, thinking he needs to save her or help her when she doesn't need it. Like, at that point, like, which is worse? You know, I I would say they're pretty equal. Yeah, I mean, later on, spoiler alert, Donna apologizes to Noah for this moment. She's like... You made a shrewd business decision. I just my faith in men is shaken as of late. I think she's like it's tested still to should the be. limit. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like it. It literally should have been shattered at this point. Yeah, it's, this is not a comeback and apologize to him. This is a comeback and talk about the fact that like literally tenant number one is like we have to be honest with each other, mm-hmm. and he broke it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then I'm sorry. I have to talk about the Beverly Beat. So much. Because Janet is on the phone with somebody yelling at her because ads got messed up, which is not her job. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't able to go get bagels. She's giving the guys their messages while she's on the phone being yelled at. She's doing all of this while she's sick. And then when they come in, it's talking about stuff. Like that Steve found Ted And he found him because he, like, walked into Ted's business and pretended to be somebody else because that hasn't backfired on him very recently. (laughs) But then, like, Brandon tells Janet that he couldn't cross the picket line, but too bad that the guy coming to interview for his job, Donald, shows up. I cannot believe, by the way, that Brandon goes to work with a Brian and then we have a Donald when there is a Donna on the show. Like, how can they do this to me? <laughs> Why does it happen? That. that is hilarious. Well, and like, like, it is kind of literally insane that also this has happened so fast that like Steve couldn't let this guy know that the job was no longer available, made him come in and basically embarrass him and then use him 
literally he's oh. like wait a minute how are you when you see a pretty girl and like i literally like he doesn't say exactly what he's gonna do but i i wrote down oh my god steve is going to get this poor guy to pose as ted and i was so mad i'm like i was again so mad steve is not likable He's not. Like, Donald should be really offended by this. And frankly, Janet is standing right there and is smarter than everyone else in this room and would have seen what is happening and been like, Steve, no, and like swatted him mm-hmm. with a newspaper. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to see Janet swat Steve with a newspaper right in the – boop him in the nose. Just bop. I mean, it's literally right there. Like, yeah, he sucks. He's a dog in, like, yes. the bad way. And they work at a newspaper. It's right there. She can just pick him up. <laughs> yeah they're not printing or publishing anytime soon apparently or yeah, maybe they well, are who knows no because this is the point where brian calls brandon and is like hey i got a story because like a building collapsed or something bizarre mm-hmm. and he says he doesn't have time to write it up he needs somebody else to do it and so brandon apparently decides that he needs to go to the chronicle to write the story with brian it's like you know, the um, the oath that doctors take of, like, number one, do no harm. Like, you have to help patients. Mm. I feel like Brandon is like, I took an oath to tell the news. <laughs> I must investigate. <laughs> he has to go write the article, even if it means crossing the picket line and doing the wrong thing. The yeah. news has to get out there. The news waits for no man. <laughs> He's got, like, the investigative journalist a version of the show must go on <laughs> like he's like the story must go on and i must be the one to tell it there is literally a thunderstorm during this episode like they want to set yeah. the tone i kind of loved that like i'm like okay it was definitely raining and thundering on film day this didn't seem like it was mm-hmm. manufactured rain it actually kind of seemed like real <laughs> it just it just worked out so well i know and yeah, I'm not going to dig too much into it because we've talked about it, but there is a point where right here where Val tells David about the history with her father. And yeah. I didn't realize that David didn't know. I think I've kind of just like, despite knowing that she didn't tell him, have assumed that the friends just tell everybody everything and everybody just knows. Yeah, no, I totally thought he knew too. Like, and and I actually thought that he, she told him, um, but like- he he is mouth agape and in shock. Like his jaw has dropped and he can't yeah. close it. And he even gets like tears in his eyes later in the scene because he like cannot obviously cannot believe like what happened to her. I And I feel so bad. Oh, my gosh. When she says that it started before her 12th birthday, which is the birthday that her mom was talking about earlier when she like burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And then she says on her 13th birthday – her dad gets snowed in in Chicago, and then they get snowed in in Minnesota, so, like, he can't get home, but nobody else can get to her, too. And she's like, that mm-hmm. was the safest I've ever felt. Like, oh, oh, my, my God. God. It just makes me hate Abby, like, a million times more because I'm like, what Like, what are you doing? Like, your child is literally being harmed right in front of you, and you can't do a thing? You just pretend it's not happening? She is still in pain from things that happen, and Abby is actively making it worse. Yep, exactly. Like, yeah, we get another scene with Brandon at the Chronicle 
For some reason, Steve drove him to his other job. Like, I don't understand what's happening that Brandon can just have two jobs. This Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. But this is where he's like, I'd be happy if I got what they have now. Like, he doesn't get it. He, He doesn't get having to pay for all of his own expenses somehow. Right, because, like, Steve makes dumbass comments. He's like, what are they even striking for? An espresso machine in the break room? Ergonomic chairs? I'm like, oh, my God. this You're literally the definition of privilege right here. And then Brandon's like, no, it's salary, pension, and reprinting rights, which made me think, oh, Brandon's on the right side of this. He understands what they're striking for, so therefore he is going to want to strike too. And then no. Mm-hmm. He makes no. that comment, like you said, about, like, basically you should just be grateful for what you get now. And I'm like, what? It makes well, no and- sense. So I can, like, stretch to make this point make sense, which I feel like I have to because I want to like Brandon, which is something yeah. I never thought I would say. <laughs> but, like, okay, so I get it, like. When you're young and you're getting into the workforce and you see an opportunity for a job and you're like, oh my gosh, this pays so much more than I'm making now. This is great. What a fantastic opportunity. But then not seeing like on the flip side of someone who's been in this industry for however many Mm -hmm. years, like at least two decades, who are still making the same shit that they made when they started Yes. And that doesn't fucking work because as you grow, like expenses fucking rack up. Like you have to fucking survive and you have to be able to take care of yourself. And yep. Brandon, yeah, maybe that the amount that they're going to offer you now is enough for you now, but they don't want to give you more than that. And they're exactly. never going to want to give you more than that, especially if you're willing to settle for it now. They're going to say you're willing to settle for it forever. So totally. get on the right fucking side. Yeah. No, that's like perfectly said. Perfectly said. Because yeah, it's like, uh, I totally agree. Like we want to like Brandon, we want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I do think he's a really good guy. It's just, he's so, he just has this like wall in front of him. He can't see past Mm -hmm. that wall. And if he did, he would get it. Like he is smart enough. He is intelligent enough. He is reasonable enough to understand it. But if he is not literally getting t- taken by the shoulders and put in front of it, he never sees it. And I think that's what annoys me is he just doesn't open himself up to learning about other people's experiences until they're, he, they're put right in front of his face. Thinking about the Alamo situation, thinking about mm-hmm. like, I don't know, literally everything we've ever seen with Brandon where he doesn't have the right opinion at first and then comes around to it. The only thing mm-hmm. I think was different was I guess it was last episode with the nature versus nurture thing when he sees Kelly reacting poorly to the gay couple being able to adopt um, Raphael. He's like, wait a minute, that's wrong. Like, that's the Mm -hmm. only time I've been like, oh, he does have an open mind when it comes to that. But he's literally around Steve all day, every day, who has the wrong opinion nine times out of ten. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, yeah, I kind of want to keep this going because what happens after this, like (laughs) – First of all, people on the picket line throw tomatoes at Brandon. Oh. And so he gets so pissed and he's like, tell Donald he can have the job and then storms in. Mm-hmm. But okay, so he writes the piece for the Chronicle and I think it's that night. I don't know when it is, but Timmy McCourt ends up going to the Beverly Beat where Brandon is and is like, hey, I read your piece. It was so good. I want to give you another story. And he tells him that like 
essentially his parents lived the American dream. Like they had hard times, but they picked themselves up by their bootstraps and they were comfortably middle class by the 50s, paid for their son to go to college. And that son grew up to be Timmy McCourt. (laughs) And Timmy is like, take the story, not the job. And I kind of get it, but I also don't. Yeah, agreed. Because it made it sound like Timmy's parents worked shitty jobs to be able to still manage to get out. Yeah. And then to be able to make a better life for Timmy. But now it's like Timmy has that quote unquote better life, but also is trying to make a better life for now the younger generation below him. Mm. So it's like, it wasn't clear. <laughs> it yeah. really wasn't clear. Uh, but I think that's what he was trying to do. He's trying to say, like, each generation has to work to make life better for the next generation. And if you don't, then I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the then is. But it's like, if you don't, that's not the right side to be on is what I feel okay. he's trying to say. Okay, that's what I thought too, but then it wasn't really clear to me and I was watching by myself at this point and I was just like, I'm just going to write it down and ask later (laughs) because I got it. I was like, this is clearly the scene that convinces Brandon to officially stop crossing and uncrossing and crossing and uncrossing the picket line. Yeah. It just – it didn't land as like directly of just like – oh, well, you know, my family wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for unions or whatever. Right, exactly. And I love Janet's little smirk in the background. Like, she's listening to this whole conversation, too. And then, like, when Timmy's done talking, she's just like, ha, told you. Like, she doesn't say that, but her smirk does. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, also, I guess, sorry, one other comment. Timmy walks in and says that he saw Brandon's byline. So you're telling me. That Brian went through all this trouble to go get the story, basically recite the story to Brandon over the telephone, for then Brandon to go to the Chronicle and write the paper, and Brandon gets the byline? He doesn't have a shared byline at minimum with Brian? Poor Brian! I didn't even think about that. Brian just falls (laughs) off the face of the earth. We don't see Brian anymore, I don't think. Exactly. Well, that's because Brian keeps... Crossing the picket line because he has kids to feed. Brandon right. accepting something <laughs> terrible to take care of his children. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And talking about parents, there's also the next thing is when Val and Kelly and Abby are all at the rehearsal. Bill hasn't shown up yet, so Kelly goes to stand in because that's what Abby wants. But the first thing Abby says when Val shows up is, is that what you're, is that what you're wearing? Dude. Like, and then David says something like, hey, you know, Val's done a lot, like, blah, 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 blah. And Abby's just like, you look lovely. I'm like, no, uh-uh. I hate it. And then when Bill when Bill comes in and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, a meeting ran long or I got stuck in traffic or whatever. And he's like, well, I couldn't call you because you didn't have a cell phone. I'm going to buy you a cell phone. And even Kelly picks it up. She's like, oh, he's late and it's her fault. Okay. Yep. Sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, But then they have a moment where Kelly and Val are like, oh, maybe we do let our parents be happy. 
And I was real petty about this. And I was like, if this is how this ends, it's going to be so boring. And I'm going to be very upset. This is like the letdown I was talking about where it was very much like, oh, they've just come to accept it. Like they they like I think Val says something, something, something. And Kelly's like, oh, is that do I sense resignation or something like that or yeah, something. something like that? Yeah. And I'm like, so Val feels defeat. Oh, defeated. That's do I do I detect defeat is what she says. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Val's just like. I guess so. Like, we can't really do anything about it, so we should just let them be, which is so not Val. Yeah. I. But just, I think that's this- Abby's influence on her. Like, I she mean, literally feels helpless every single time they interact. It's like she's all, like, strong and, and feels great and very, like, herself when Abby's not around. But then the second Abby's around, she goes back into herself. You know, she turns into a young girl again and just, like, feels like she has zero power in the situation. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a really good point that it's because of Abby mm-hmm. that she acts like this. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's there's the scene where Steve is the worst. Like, he shows up with Jill, and Ted is actually at this place that he has taken Jill, but he has every intention of having Donald pretend to be Ted. He's also... He told Donald they were doing an expose, which prompted Donald to do a bunch of research that he could into imitate Ted. But then mm-hmm. Steve reveals that, like, oh, you're actually going to be Ted. And Donald's like, oh, you wanted to do this because I'm so awkward. Like, this is not yeah. love. What love yeah. really is is giving her the chance to go meet Ted. Right. Which works. And <laughs> somehow I think Donald would be a better TV show than this. well donald has a moral compass steve does not yeah but steve does eventually introduce them and you know i'm just gonna go ahead and like wrap this whole thing up because it was so annoying so annoying like steve sets up jill and ted and ted is like i thought you stopped writing even though he clearly moved and didn't send her the new address Mm -hmm. like he did mail forwarding and messed it up, but he never gave her the address. Why would right. you not do that? And right. it's to his office, not his home. So are we not concerned about that either? Anyway, um, apparently Ted and Jill talked about getting married, but she also talked about Steve nonstop and realizes she wants to be with Steve. And I need – like the over under on how fast this relationship falls apart. I could see it ending literally next episode. Yeah. I give it 16 minutes. <laughs> 16 <laughs> minutes. Oh my God. Okay. 16 minutes of screen time or at the 16 minute mark in the episode? Um, That's a good question. Like I want to say screen time, but at the same time, like I want to say like 16 minutes into the the next episode, it won't be a thing anymore. Yeah, I could really buy that. It's just not going to work out. She is not the right person for Steve, and Steve sucks. Mm -hmm. I kind of hope she loves at first sight with Donald, who comes back for no reason, because he forgot a pen at the office or something. How cute would that be if, like, she's actually also super weird? Mm-hmm. And just like into Donald. Oh, that'd be so cute. I would love that. Like, honestly, yeah, I would I would very much love that, especially because like 
then it shows Steve that who he is isn't that great, but neither was Ted. You know, it's like they mm-hmm. both just suck when Donald's the real winner in all of this. Oh, my God. It would be wonderful. <laughs> oh, justice for Donald. Justice for Donald. Ugh. Yeah, I'm going to say just for, like, um, having a different opinion, you say 16 minutes, I'll say 24. <laughs> just to so be slightly next different. next episode, but just a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> yes, totally. But I definitely think it's, like, only one episode. There is no way yeah. this goes longer than another episode. There is no way. I'm surprised she's still here. I really didn't yeah. think she was going to be here. I thought she was already gone. Same. I was shocked when she showed up. Much like Noah is shocked when Donna shows up at his office where he spends so much of his time and she knows he's going to be there. Why did he not put the dresses away? Because he's an idiot, guys. He's an idiot. <laughs> He pissed me off so much. And this this is, I think, where Donna says, like, they were on sale for one day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She was like, it was a day, not a year. Like, not even a month. A day. As if she one wasn't day. at that store at opening, freaking out that no one had bought her dresses right. yet. <laughs> That's a good I mean, point. she literally, she has no room to stand here, but mm-hmm. she also has a point. Yes. She just needs to, like, say that point in a mirror. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, And I really can't get over the fact that, like, I want to wrap this one up, too, because we're getting to the end of everything, so there's, like, one scene left and, like, we can get the resolutions. Mm -hmm. But Noah wants to talk to Donna at the church later, and he's like, oh, when you overdosed, I was helpless, and I can't feel that way again. I want to fix everything for you. And then she says – I won't go for the medicine cabinet if you don't go for your wallet. And I appreciate that they're making up, I guess, whatever. I don't think they should, to your point. like Yeah. Noah has not done anything to prove he deserves to be treated better like this. Mm-hmm. But I cannot get over how quickly this is going to fall apart again. He's going to pay for something else next week. Yeah. yeah. Or like – you know, do something in the name of quote unquote saving her or helping her, and it's just going to be the complete wrong thing to do. Even if it isn't the money situation again, it's going to be another mm-hmm. way because that seems to be his personality. We've seen that. That has been one constant thing in Noah's personality since we've met him with giving Kelly his blood, with like the whole trial thing. Like it's just his MO to kind of get involved and do something with, I guess, the right intention, but just go about it the exact wrong way and kind of. Yeah, just go about it wrong. And so, yeah, I just don't see this as well. We know what ends up happening in in Donna's relationship and Donna's love life, but I just don't see this being. I could be wrong, but I don't see this lasting much longer either because of Donna's (sighs) total principle of being do not lie to me. Well, and yeah, like I'm so curious how this is going to play out because I don't see their personal relationship lasting much longer. Yeah. And then I don't see their professional relationship lasting much longer if only because Donna did a very Donna thing and got her own dresses bought. Mm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't even need him. I do love that she clarifies. She's like, they bought them without any monetary incentive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, there was no – she lists it all. She's like, this, 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 this. (laughs) I just want to make sure. Yeah. 
She's like, I'm going to get you to admit to every single thing. Like, did you bribe them? Did you blackmail them? Did you just give them money? <laughs> what is their uh, name? Do you know anyone that works there? Let me see your LinkedIn. Yeah, seriously. Oh, my gosh. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights, like coming to visit me in Amsterdam. And really, everything you just mentioned benefits me. I genuinely feel better after using Liquid IV. I'm refreshed, I'm hydrated, and I feel like I can conquer the day just like Brandon Walsh. Or Volleyball Steve. I especially love the new flavor, Seaberry, especially during the summer so I can pretend like I'm on a tropical island. Or I'll go with an iconic classic, like the Beverly Beach Club, with a lemon-lime flavor while I'm waiting for the grunions to run. Also, it's pretty neat that Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code 90210. That's 90210 at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code 90210 at liquidiv.com. I mean, I guess that really brings it down to the wedding. Where, how did you feel about Bill just like bailing on it the way he did? So, mm. I mean, it sucks. Like, no matter what, it sucks. For sure. But I actually wasn't mad at it because I thought it was – first of all, I mean, it was extremely hasty for the two of them to date two weeks and get married. Mm -hmm. But I also thought it was entirely his character. Did I think Completely we agree. needed this whole storyline to tell us what we already know? Absolutely not. We we know this. Um, the only thing I think I have a problem with is that okay, so it's consistent with his character, but mm -hmm. it makes the whole Kelly writing letters to him while he was in prison, talking about second chances, him coming back asking for a second chance, kind of throws all that out. Like it totally takes away and devalues what that whole point was. Like we. Mm -hmm. It was as if we didn't even need all of that because if it was always going to end in the same anyway, we've, we've, to quote Taylor Swift, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. This is exactly what happened. So on the one hand, it's extremely consistent. On the other hand, it's kind of pointless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was one of those ones that like made me feel feelings because – like Kelly says she's willing to be Val's sister if it meant her dad kept a promise and she's yeah. so upset and he like leaves it on her to go tell everyone at the Oh my god, church, yeah. especially Abby. Oh my gosh. And he's like Dude. just explain it to her. She goes, "How when I don't understand?" And he's like, yes. "Yeah, you do." Well, and like the fact that not only is he going to bail, he's like he is also a coward and can't face it himself. Mm -hmm. that ooh, that hurts yeah I just I agree that I I don't think we needed it I think it played out exactly how it should have since we did have it I guess 
because Kelly goes to the church to tell Abby and Val that Bill aren't coming. And I do want to point out, they are both still wearing the necklaces that their parents gave them at this point. Mm -hmm. And, like, Mm -hmm. it comes up again later for Kelly. But I'm glad Mm -hmm. Val is, too. Me, too. Yeah, it's like... This is this kind of tells us too what we've all thought. It's like they actually are kind of cut from the same cloth and would probably get along if they had to be put in more situations together and had to work together. Um mm-hmm. and the fact that they've kind of accepted it at this point, I'm like, don't rob us of that. <laughs> I know. It like it would have been the only way we could have it. Mm-hmm. And it would guarantee that Val had a reason to be around. Like, again, I still keep coming back to, like, no one should be friends. No one should like each other. Correct. Um, But then, like, I think it all fits really perfectly that Kelly goes to tell all the guests and, like, be the responsible one that has to send everybody away. Still wild that they were going to get married after two weeks. Family is not there. Where's all the Minnesota people? Right. Where's Ginger is what I want to (laughs) know. Oh, my gosh. If they wanted to break this up, they should have called her. Seriously. Oh, my God. That is like – that is the Legends kind of team up that we need. Yeah. You're so right. Oh. But Val goes after her mom and like begs her mom to not pretend that she's fine. She's like, if people don't know you're hurt, they don't know how to help you, which is really – Her cry for help of being like, mom, this is what I went through and I'm hurt and I never had a way to tell you. But then her mom is like, I am hurt and like throws herself on Val sobbing. And like, yeah, it it was in the moment. It's right that her mom is upset and crying, but like it just really didn't land for me. I don't understand why we're selling Val and Abby so much. Agreed. And it's like I don't need this to – I don't need to feel like Abby and Val have gotten closer because of this. Yeah. We, I, I don't, don't think care as viewers, about Abby. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think as viewers we really need that. Um, I can appreciate, like you were saying, it's kind of Val's, like, way to say, hey, this is what you should have noticed when I was telling you I was hurt. Um because earlier in the episode, Abby had said, like, she's really good at, like, pretending things don't happen or what I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly what she said. It's, like, sh- uh, shutting things off or, or something like that. So I, I can appreciate Val needing this, needing to use this moment as a way to say, hey, this is this is what I experienced. Now you can kind of understand, even though it's wildly different. But I don't I don't need to see them get closer. And I think... It was just a means to kind of, like, get Abby out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was it. Like, we introduced them last episode, and they're leaving this episode. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. I will say, um, though, kind of retracing our steps a little bit, going back into the church, Janet shows up looking like a dime and walks up. Of course, she brought a gift and bought it on behalf of Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so stupid and I hate it. Especially when Steve says, do you see how badly I need a girlfriend? Yeah. I was literally just like, no, Steve, I see how badly you need to grow up. Yes, exactly. But that aside, 
Brandon kind of like saying he's not going to work for the Chronicle for the last time, I swear. And he wants to come back to the Beverly Beat, but only if there's paid sick leave, PTO, health insurance, that sort of thing. Janet is like, I'm feeling great now, but I'm still like, how? You guys don't make any money. How can you literally afford to do all these things? I also loved in that part, I think this is what they said. I honestly refuse to go back and check in case I was wrong because I liked this better. But I guess Donald and Steve like spent some time together interviewing and then Donald realized he didn't like Steve, so he passed on the job. Yes, 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 yes. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I want the world for Donald. And like we said before, Brandon and Steve are only going to get jobs from each other. Like, yep. This is the only way it could have worked out. Exactly. Okay, so that does feed into the last scene with Brandon and Kelly because we get another time where Brandon like compliments Kelly for handling a situation so well that we like, didn't actually see and she might not have handled well. I don't know. But Kelly picks up Brandon's ID from the Chronicle and asks to keep it because Brandon made a hard decision and stood by it. <laughs> And that's better than most of the men in her life. And it's truly, this is truly like when Kelly fixed having the baby taken away from the gay parents by the teenage mother. And Brandon's like, you did a good thing. Yeah, exactly. No, you did a great thing. <laughs> it totally is. It's like clearly Brandon didn't give Kelly all the details. And so all he told her was like, I had a chance to take a job, but I didn't because morally it would have been wrong. And she's like, you're a good guy. It's like you did not hear all the ins and outs of that. You saw the the, the beginning and you saw the end, but you did not see the journey. <laughs> he literally crossed the picket line to write an article. He has a byline. It's in his yep. portfolio. We'll never not know this happened. Yep. He got a paycheck from it or whatever, if that, because he worked there for two days. He worked there for like three hours. They were probably yeah. just like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> oh my gosh. But then, okay, the actual last scene in the episode was so cute. Yeah. When David and Val get home and he's made her the cake that she talked about for her 13th birthday. And he like turns the lights off so that she gets to have the little surprise. I don't know how it was lit. That makes no sense to me. Not the point. Right. Well, it's, I, it's triggered by the switch. You turn the light off, you turn the candles on. <laughs> I fully imagined there was just a friend in there waiting to hear them outside, light all the candles. David peeks in, makes sure that they're there, flips the lights off, opens the door. And, and then you, you've just got Steve like hiding in Zach's room. Yep. Just crawling <laughs> out of frame, just his legs scooching. <laughs> Yeah, because like, oh let's God, be I real. Wish. Who would it be? Like, what? Which of the friends would have done this? Oh my God, is this ghost busy. guitar neighbor? <gasps> Ooh, that's who it has to be. Love that idea. I love that so much. Yeah, I wrote down in this moment, like when you know she's like with vanilla frosting, you know, like that cute, like childlike way of asking and like they kiss or whatever. I was like, why do I love David and Val together? Like this coupling makes so much more sense than David and Donna. I'm just going to say it. I know there are so many David and Donna stands out there, but like 
this coupling makes more sense. The more they're together, the more they make sense. They make so much more sense this time around than last time. Like, I still can't believe they got back together after what happened with Ginger. But, like, yeah, they're really working right now. Well, and I think it's because maybe at the time, like, obviously it was a product of, like, you know, some scheming and some maloning, but, like, and gingering, let's be honest. But at... I think it was more of a more of a timing issue and a circumstances issue than like chemistry, right? And like actual understanding of each other because this time around things are working. Their vibe is mm-hmm. better. Their chemistry is good. They're actually they're being having honest more... with each other. Yes. They're they're like they were better off as adults, not as like college kids. Completely agree. They're also, like, supporting each other in a much more healthy way than they used to. Yes. It's it's amazing what, like, two years has done for these kids. Well, and just, like, all cards on the table, right? They know each other better. They know Mm -hmm. each other at their core better. So it's like they Mm -hmm. know when Val's going to scheme. They know when David's going to mess up. Like, it's, it's just they know their flaws better. So they're able to then, to Mary's point, like, support each other and kind of, like, kind of yes and each other (laughs) so i don't know i just like them this time around i completely agree is there anything else we want to mention before we talk about quotes because i have one that we didn't say that i want to throw out there um no i think i'm good okay so i have two guesses for quote of the week one is Janet, when the phone rang, and she goes, I entered a contest for medical insurance. Keep your fingers crossed. And then the other one is when Val is trying to clean after the party because she's all stressed out, and David goes, she's in love, and Val responds, that'll pass. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, I wrote one quote. And it was Brandon not even looking up coming into the office while Janet is sneezing. And he just says, Janet, go home. (laughs) I, again, I mentioned it earlier, but I kind of loved that moment. It just seemed like really natural and quick and just kind of cute. It felt real. It was adorable. I loved it. It was. Me too. Um, Otherwise, it was Kelly's like diminishing enthusiasm every time she got half of the word surprise out of her mouth before (laughs) Valerie showed up and then everyone was like oh surprise (laughs) like classic we're throwing a surprise party for somebody we don't care about and nobody's getting the timing right (laughs) oh my gosh yeah I actually like I didn't mention it either um but it was in the moment my quote of the week is in the moment where David was giving Val the present and she opens it up and well, first she says, I've never been able to get rid of it, referring to the charm bracelet. And then she says, kind of like my past. And then when she opens it and she's just like, well, it's the thought that counts. And David's like, yeah, this will bring up the bad ones. And I just kind of like, <laughs> I didn't think it was, it wasn't like haha funny, but I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like kind of a chuckle, no, like that's... a disgruntled chuckle. I feel like I can like feel like that is a um, visceral feeling for me that someone is disappointed with my gift. That is right. 
my fear. Like if there's an opposite of love languages, my opposite of love languages is gift giving because I hate it. I'm just sitting here being like, you hate it, don't you? It's the worst. It's bringing up terrible feelings. Right. But I also kind of appreciate that it wasn't a point of contention between the two of them. You know, like mm-hmm. David could have easily been like, well, I did, how was I supposed to know? You know what I mean? Like react kind of poor. But he doesn't. He's like, ah, oh, man, like it kind of messed up. But Val's also not mad at him for not knowing that because how could he have, you know? So, well, And then he like completely redeems himself with the chocolate cake. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't take it as a, a point to say like, crap, I messed up. It's Val's fault because she didn't tell me. He's like, you know what? That was a bad moment. And then I'm learning more about the situation. Let me create a happy moment that I am like, like it's more thoughtful, right? He thought Mm -hmm. he was being thoughtful and he was like, truly, he just didn't have all the information. So then he gets more information and then takes that information to be more thoughtful. I like that he didn't make it Val's fault that he was feeling bad for choosing a wrong gift. Yes. Yeah. Because he would have done that before. Yeah. He would have blamed her for not telling him. Just that, oh, no, I have a bunch of bad feelings and you're here, so I'm going to make this your fault. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I was nodding so furiously, I dumped water all over myself. So (laughs) (laughs) Just gross. I love it. (laughs) We love to see it. But yeah, yeah, speaking of David, he got my moment of the week also. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Just like when he and Val go to the rehearsal and the first thing out of Abby's mouth is, oh, is that what you're wearing? And David's like, hey, this is your daughter. She's here to support you. And maybe she could use some of that support back. Yep. Yep. I, and it wasn't- I just loved it. And it was polite yeah. and it wasn't like super call outy. It wasn't mean. It was just, hey, here's a truth and let's move on. And I loved it. I love David. What the fuck? Right? right? God, that's and what like, I'm saying. Like Donna with David, I think they just kind of brought out some bad things in each other. And Donna mm-hmm. or not Donna, David with Val, it's like for whatever reason, this pairing just works because they're so real with each other. And they understand each other and they understand their flaws. And they're not trying Mm -hmm. to change each other. They're just trying to be, like, supportive and I don't know. Because, yeah, like, this comment from David could have easily been taken as, like, oh, he's trying to protect Val when she should be able to stand up for herself. But he recognizes who she ends up kind of becoming when Abby's around. So he's like, she's not going to be able to do it because of Abby. So I will do it for her. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just nice. I love it. (laughs) It was just like a suggestion of better behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even like he didn't even step too far over any line. He just got right up to it and was just like, hey, let's be kind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's all chill. (laughs) How weird that that's David being like, let's calm (laughs) down. I love it. I love it so much. He's like Zen David when he's with Val. So weird. That's like the opposite of what you'd expect. Yep. Like really you would kind of expect them to like be the most dysfunctional couple together just because of the way that they are as people. And yet somehow there's just balance. Yeah. It's so so nice. And I don't want it to end, but I know it's going to. (laughs) Yeah. 
let's just get like another, you know, full season of this and then we can shift <laughs> gears. <laughs> another full season. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay, that's actually a pretty good segue. Do we know what next week's episode is called? We sure do. It is season eight, episode 26, All That Glitters. Well, that's not good because isn't that whole saying, all that glitters isn't gold? Yeah. As in like, don't get too excited about good things, I think. Yeah. I don't actually know what that phrase means. Well, unless you're you're right now. In which case you say all that glitters <laughs> is gold. <laughs> oh, Smash Mouth. All right, people, real right? one. I know. Okay, uh, well, yeah. well, this episode did air on April 1st, so that Ooh. could be interesting. Um, interesting. But yeah, I guess we'll find out next week. So until then, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Podcast. You can also shoot us over any kind of feedback you'd like to at our email address at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and give y'all a better product. And if you give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I got to go blackmail a girl for a date. I'm going to go rig that contest so Janet gets medical insurance. I'm going to go talk to Noah for some business planning advice. Bye. Bye. See ya.